Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 82, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Aiden Collins and David Herman, bringing you all the latest news from around the ACHA and the CHF. Fitz is out tonight. He's got a pizza party with a youth hockey team in Binghamton. Wrapping up the semester here, uh, I know I'm personally buried in finals work. Herm's busy with work. Collins is nodding in his head, which means he's buried in work at Nova. The vibes are good. Exciting part of the year. I think a lot of teams at this point kind of look forward to the break. It's that time of year where everyone's starting to get sick. Everyone's banged up. Personally, I think we have the best deal in college hockey as we get this month off coming up. Collins, I'll throw it over to you because I know this is a topic discussion on Twitter. What's your outlook heading into the break? I'm just really excited to go back home and just to have some time myself. Not have to worry about school or hockey. Um, I'll get back involved with the high school hockey team and, you know, do some goalie coaching here and there. And what I'm most looking forward to is as a family, we're going to Rome for Christmas. So so that should be a good time. Yeah, I, I don't know if everybody saw on Twitter, but there was a tweet that got put out that's saying like, oh, the ACHA break should get cut down to one week. I had a big problem with that because we're we're student athletes. That's part of the reason why I wanted to play club hockey is that we get that break, which is huge. So super excited. Can't wait to get these next two weeks out of the way. Right. You, you turned down Michigan State because you wanted the Christmas break. That's the, I forgot about that part. No, it was actually BC. You saw you, you saw on the TikTok I turned down. Oh, that's tr- <laughs> I, I, how could I forget? Herm, hockey's going to start settling down. There'll be less game of the week graphics and all the stuff that you do behind the scenes. We'll get a little pause on that. Things have kind of heated up with the Comets. Uh, They've gotten some of their players back from the Red Hot Devils. Uh, How are things in Utica? Things are good. Things are busy. Things are hectic everywhere and in between. As UCFC, for those who aren't familiar, Utica City FC, which is the indoor soccer team, which is also under our ownership group, gets its season underway. It runs concurrent to the hockey season. So my Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays are spoken for pretty much for the most part up until, I don't know, April May, June, if both teams make a deep playoff run. So this little break that we have coming up is going to be huge for us. I am really, really looking forward to it once the boys go on the road to Cleveland on uh, the 20th and 22nd. I'll get the chance to go back home, spend time with family for joint Hanukkah and Christmas. It'll be wonderful. Yeah, I'm looking ahead home too. It's been a rough semester. I, I think I talked about it, but my credits just got like really messed up and I'm really not in a spot that I'd like to be a senior year. I took 18 credits, so six classes, absolutely drowning in work this time of year. Looking forward to getting home and then I'll have one week before I have to take a, a winter class over break. I, I just can't get enough of the schoolwork these days. I wish Glick were here. We used to have an on a running joke that Glick said academic weapon at least once an episode in the early days of the pod. So I'm just trying to be the best best academic weapon that I can be captain skates this week while the the coaches get caught up on you know their work outside of hockey we were able to do our a winter three-on-three tournament today. My team won the President's Trophy. We went 3-0-1 in the regular season, and then we lost. Uh, we were upset the first round in overtime. Always tough, but I felt like we were the best team out there. We just uh, Tampa Bay Lightning ourselves. So maybe we'll get them next year. We'll go on a... Th- the, well, I won't get them next year, but the boys will get them next year. Maybe they'll go on, on a repeat. Uh, I got to travel to Pitt. That is a, a good hockey team. Um, I was impressed with them. I feel like they were just big. They didn't really let us get going. There were times where we could keep up with them, but we just couldn't keep up for long. And like we had them, it was 3-2 at one point in the second on Friday night. We had them at 2-2 in the second on Saturday. And uh, you know they end up winning by four and five goals apiece. They were, that was a good team and, and certainly 
one of the top teams in the echelon, I think. So I was impressed with them. Had a good time in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, was able to catch a little bit of Duquesne IUP after that game. So it's always nice when you see the back-to-back ACHA games. Get to check out some teams that don't normally get to see. But it was a fun weekend. Like I said, not the result we were looking for, but a really good environment. I think they brought a fan bus on Friday night. The place was rocking, which was really good to see. Would have liked a better result. We talked uh, a couple of episodes ago about where we all thought that Pitt should be in the rankings and our predictions for him at the end of the season. After having played them, where do you feel like they deserve to be at this point in the season? I honestly think they're properly ranked where they are. Looking at their schedule going into the weekend, I was like, you know what? Like They're almost 500. They've split with Delaware. They've split with Navy lost to JCU. I'm like, you know, they honestly, I think they're ranked higher than they should be. And then after playing with them, I was like, they just play the style of hockey. I swear they must just rim pucks at practice and ship them out because they rim it. They make you pinch. And then all of a sudden it's a two on one. It's a three on two the other way. And they got the skill guys to score. So I was impressed by them. And I think that's just like how the best teams play. They just generate odd man rushes. I think they're properly ranked where they are. I think them, Niagara and Stony Brook are the teams to beat in in the Eshel. I know Pitt and Niagara split earlier in the year. I'm waiting to see Niagara and Stony Brook play each other too, just to get a better understanding of who really the top team is. I think any of those three teams are going to win it. I kind of don't like talking about the Eshel sometimes because I feel like we have an, an East Coast bias, you know, some of those West Coast leagues. I wish I knew a little bit more about those, but if you guys have any tips on those leagues, we'd love to talk to them too in, in Division One action. Pitt, very good hockey team, was impressed by them and and certainly no surprise that they're in, in the national tournament year in and year out. Keeping with the theme of, of D1 action, Hockey House on Sports Center. Herm and I, it's funny, we, we had a little conversation via text before the weekend started and it was like, hey, like, let's try to get a little more highlights going this week. Like, it is tough. We're both really busy and especially being on the road is really tough to get highlights out because, you know, I got the laptop on the bus. But I want to say we pulled into Syracuse at like 1130 midnight on Saturday and I checked the DMs and when I got home and I saw this goal from Roman Kramer. He actually DM'd it himself and I was right away. I was was like oh my god like this i didn't think it was gonna go like sports center when i saw it but i was like this is a clip that's gonna do really well i'm gonna post this first thing in the morning we had already planned on posting the liberty maryville goalie fight which we'll get to in a little bit so it was a really big sunday morning in the hockey house content office yeah shout out to roman kramer he does uh, a heel it's a toe drag but he gets the puck on his heel and he does the spinorama i hope trevor zegers took notes because i want to see this in an nhl game what a goal we post it where did it go next pavel barber posted it howie's hockey posted it everything college hockey posted it sports center got it pretty quickly they posted it on twitter and it just turned into this big game of telephone everybody reposting our clip throughout the internet so that was awesome shout out to roman kramer i told him in the dms too i was like hey he was like this is crazy like thank you guys so much like i didn't expect this to blow up and i was like yeah it's all good man just like don't do it when you guys come to syracuse next semester like we'll call it even it's a wash also i want to give a shout out to nick beck he's the kent state goalie in the clip he played it like a champ i think his comment was like honestly one of the best goals i've ever seen I Nick Beck also was featured on the Hockey House earlier in the year when he robbed Isaac Arnold on Syracuse. I think he'll take it though because they lost that game and we posted his highlight reel save and then they beat Robert Morris in this game. He's on the wrong end of the highlights. So wanted to make sure we gave him a shout out. Keep an eye on your mic arm too. I can hear slight tapping on it. My mic? I believe so. 
Yeah, I can uh, just well, hear it. Yeah, I can just hear it moving a little bit. You're fine. Just keep an eye on on where you are. We can keep this part. You can keep the part about the mic tapping in because I don't even think I addressed it on the podcast last week. But I got robbed. The hockey house got robbed a couple weeks ago. I talked about it with Gorms actually before I interviewed him. But then I think I forgot to talk about it on air with you guys. My mic barely hanging on at the moment. It is functioning. I was able to get some screws fixed. The nuts of of my setup. But over Thanksgiving break, I'm waiting in line at the bar on blackout wednesday being a high school hero going to the bar with everyone i went to high school with it's basically homecoming i'm waiting in line after playing in a a men's league game all my friends are in the bar and i have to wait and in line i get this text from my roommate flanny he goes yo we just got robbed and i'm like flanny would not joke about this like somebody else might joke that we got robbed flanny would not joke about getting robbed immediately texting him like what happened what happened what happened two guys from syracuse found an open window in the hockey house, broke the screen and climbed in. They stole our $400 TV. My room was the only room in the house that wasn't locked because I've never had a lock since I got here because my door just did not come with a lock. We have one now. They went into my room. They stole my TV, which was a $95 Roku. Uh, that I haven't used in months. So whatever, that's on them. I had two iPads on my desk that they forgot to pick up. That felt like an easy score for them. Instead, they tried to grab my microphone out of the mic stand. Shout out to Matt Zarb. I have like the pro microphone stand for my Yeti. They must have thought that this was spitting chiclets and that they were like stealing like a $500 microphone or something. And they pried it out when the campus police came to check the house after we were robbed. Um, they found my microphone in the driveway. Everything is good. Like I said, we're down two TVs. Oh, they stole all the quarters that I have in my room for laundry. That too. Just a huge L. Like I said, the microphone is here. I can't believe I forgot to mention that last episode. So if you hear any tapping, it's because there are still some screws loose in the mic stand, uh, but we're working through it. Dude, those robbers, they sound like they should just fucking quit their job. They're so, so bad from, from what it sounds like. Like, just give up. You think maybe they held off on the iPads because of like, apple tracking like i would have been able to easily find where they are like do you think maybe they thought that and that's why when they went with the tvs i don't know maybe that maybe they did that but i mean they were really after the quarters from what it sounds like thank goodness i had my laptop with me too like i got a call from campus police that night and they were like hey do you have your laptop like just making sure that it didn't get stolen i was like yeah I'm, i'm at home thank you though for checking in Insurance company, not replacing the TV. So that was a, a tough, tough L either as well. But hey, the show goes on. Crazy week in, in the hockey house too. We had Saturday night, You Mary upset Minot State. is the first time in program history that You Mary has defeated Minot State. They did so on home ice in North Dakota. Chippiness in a close game the night before, but the Marauders were able to get the 3-2 win on Saturday. Not without a little drama, though. The Marauders took a late lead in the third, and then Minot State actually had a goal waved off with six seconds to go. It was deemed a hand pass, and Herm, I know you saw the clip. Kind of a late call on the hand pass, right? Like, Minot State celebrated the goal, they went down the line, and then the refs huddled up in the circle. Like, I don't know. It feels like at that point in a game, a goal that big, if you're unsure about it, you should wave it off right away and then have the conversation. Like, ah, I don't know. It also didn't look like they had access to any replay either, which is tough on a on a goal like that. I don't I don't know. It was weird in the sense that you Mary didn't immediately protest, it looked like either. I was I, I, I was shocked 
I was shocked by the lack of reaction from Minot State. I would have, I mean, a rivalry game like that, you've never lost to you, Mary. How are there not water bottles on the ice? How is the coach not ripping his tie off on the bench? Like, so that part of me made, I was like, maybe they do think it's a hand pass. And they, like Minot State tweeted out the video and they said, this was for everyone in our DMs asking why the goal got waved off. Like find the hand pass in this clip, basically. I would love to send it to some of my ref friends and see what they have to say. That's a tough one to make. I think you, you got to let that game go to overtime, especially if you Mary's not even throwing a fit over it. But nonetheless, congratulations to you, Mary. First time in program in history that that's happened. Pretty Pretty good sign of how things are going to go in the future when they make the jump to Division One next year. Minot State being the number one team in Division One, but I think as we'll get to, doesn't really have an effect on the rankings um, as we'll see this week because of the cross division games. Like those, I think it's honestly a smart move on the ACHA part. How do you measure a Division One team losing to a Division Two team? It's basically nearly impossible with the computer rankings. So uh, we play on with Minot State at number one. Speaking of upsets, Army got to sing second this year. Massive upset for the Black Knights over the midshipmen in Annapolis. It is the first time that Army has beaten Navy in hockey since 2016. Uh, Shout out to the Scratches who were cursing under their breath when Army scored the empty netter and completely missed the celebration ruining the content. I was screen recording as the game was live because I was like, all right, as soon as Army wins this, we're going to post this. And then just crickets in the press box from whoever was running the camera. Really cool, though. Uh, We posted the clip. Both teams on the ice afterwards in line. Both teams lined up on the ice singing an alma mater. Army gets the victory. They get to sing second. Sold out crowd at Mullen Arena. So that was really good to see. And then we had an absolute gong show of a weekend between Maryville and Liberty. Maryville travels over 700 miles for this game. I think it's the longest trip they've made as a program. They get the win on Friday night. We had a highlight reel goal for the game winner. I want to make sure we get the shout out here. Oh, Lucas Adams with a highlight reel goal. Adams puts the puck between his legs, backhands it by Cedric Lassier. I think he's going to want that one back. You can kind of tell by his reaction. I think he more than enough got it back the next night, though. An emphatic 6-1 win for the Flames over the Saints. Got pretty chippy in the third period. Nick Albers of Liberty got into his second fight of his career, getting into it with a Maryville player. And then all the attention turned to the other side of the ice where the two goaltenders met at the Liberty blue line for a scrap that rivaled the Carey Price, Tim Thomas fight. I think back in, what was that? 2011. I think we love to see the goalies going at it, but I think there's a reason that doesn't happen very often. Johnny Macera of Maryville. He had a tough night between the pipes. I mean, obviously I don't think he was very happy letting in six goals. Actually, I think he came in in relief too, actually, but he goes down challenges Lassier with six seconds to go. Lassier firing up the crowd after, you know, maybe losing a blade. But uh, nonetheless, everyone's fired up. He ends up getting the first star of the game in a a shower by his teammates when he gets back to the locker room. A really good weekend. And as we'll talk about the rankings too, Maryville actually dropped in the rankings after all this, which was bizarre to see considering Liberty was number two. I think Maryville is certainly a top 10 team um, and was stunned to see them outside of it after this weekend. But I think they've been knocking on the door for a couple of years now. And I know somebody was asking like, who's the next Lindenwood? And I really, I really think it's, it's a school like Maryville. They've been off to a really good start this year um, and was shocked to see where they fell in the rankings this week. In other news, too, a lot of spotlight on the ACHA this week, you know, giving spotlight on SportsCenter. You had the goalie fight. And then an article came out yesterday. I guess an article came out on Tuesday from USCHO.com, pretty much the number one place to find articles about uh, NCAA college hockey. Uh, They published one 
titled Dual Benefits Galore as NCAA ACHA men's hockey teams now available to schedule play one another during regular season uh, by Matt Semich. And it was a really good article. It talked to Alaska Anchorage coach Matt Shazby, but also talked to UNLV's coaching staff. Uh, we got some quotes from Rick Zombo at Lindenwood giving his take on it. Uh, the University of Denver coach chimed in with his thoughts after playing UNLV. All in all, really good article together. I wanted to go over a couple of, of big quotes. They uh, asked Rick Zombo if he remembered playing Denver, and he responded, yeah, I do. We got our asses kicked which I think is pretty on brand with Rick Zombo if you've ever met him. He's an old school hockey guy. And he he's on he might be like the torts of the ACHA. He said it plain and simple, we got our asses kicked. He talked about not only was it challenging keeping up with them, but they had also never played in the altitude like that. So they were adjusting to the altitude. They were adjusting the fast-paced play of Denver. He mentioned that they got the puck in the neutral zone four times in the second period. Uh, just an absolute onslaught. So he was very open about it. The article is very positive in painting the picture that this is a really good thing for all of college hockey, that these NCAA teams are now able to schedule exhibitions with ACHA teams. It prevents having Canadian teams come down for the border. The ACHA is getting better, so the competition is better. And the coaches agreed with that. And now a couple of the quotes worth mentioning. Alaska Anchorage coach Shazby said, I think they're getting a lot more attention. There's a lot more kids considering ACHA Division One hockey. It's become more organized and there's more money going into it. The skill level and their compete level was great. I mean, pretty on brand with what we've seen in the last couple of years in terms of the growth of the ACHA. He also went on to say, I was very impressed. He said of UNLV and Liberty, there's not a massive difference. And I would say the bottom 10 teams in NCAA Division One hockey and all the top teams in Division Three or with these club teams. Basically, what we've been saying too, this like those bottom teams in the NCAA Division One, pretty much on par with the top teams in Division Three, and those bottom D three teams, pretty on par with the top club teams. So good to see that somebody you know in a position like Coach Shazby is taking the chance to shine a light on the ACHA. Now there are a couple of things that were mentioned in the article that are worth considering. He mentioned that this isn't really going to become a regular thing. He said that the draw with playing a team like UNLV is it's a school that is really considering going division one someday. And it helps them show their administration a measuring stick. Like, Hey, this is how we are competing as a club. We are competing as a club team. Now we can have one goal games with Anchorage. And I think that is really good. But he was also honest in the fact that like, you're not just going to see NCAA team scheduling ACHA teams. Like, one, we mentioned they have a lot to lose if the game is close. And two, there has to be like some reward for the NCAA teams. So Anchorage, for instance, is having a tough time finding teams to come travel and play them. UNLV was more than happy to make the trip to Alaska. That trip, by the way, went into a budget, which mentioned in the article that the operating cost for UNLV is $600,000. Now, that raised a couple of eyebrows, including Rick Zombo, who mentioned they, they asked Zombo about UNLV having that kind of budget. And he said, I wish we ran half a million dollar budget at the ACHA level. We did not. But NCAA Division One is four times, five times more expensive. For reference, budget that UNLV has that is just under $600,000 includes their coach's salary and also pays for the floor, the four plane trips that they make a season. Now, Collins, I know like me, you probably saw that number and it was like, that is significantly higher than what it is at, at Villanova. I know Syracuse, ours is probably a 
fifth, a sixth of what they're they're doing. Um, and we don't fly in on at any at any point during the season. I mean, we just got a budget increase, at least from the school. Um, we were we were getting uh, eight thousand dollars the past however many years. I'm not sure what the exact number is now, but it is five digits. But yeah, it kind of raised some suspicions with me. Like, is that just the operating cost? Or is that how much the school is giving them? And then are they getting more on top of that through fundraising and, and advertising? I'm not sure. But that's a hell of a lot of money. And I think you can do really shows in how quickly they've developed since when did they come to D1? Like 20... 20 yeah yeah Yeah, and so i think the interesting thing is i've seen the comments before well every time we post about vegas people in the comments will be like oh like they have really high dues and they'll make chirps like yeah they get sick stuff but they have really high dues so you can almost guarantee that they're still paying dues like the rest of us are i can imagine ice time is not very cheap out in vegas especially playing at the golden knights practice facility so I would think that plays a major factor into it. Playing in Henderson, they probably have to rent out the rink for the night, the day. Usually when you play at an arena like that, it's not cheap. And those flights four times a year are probably also expensive. But that number is still higher than I expected it to be. I make the comparison to English football. It's kind of, That's what the ACHA is. like, right? You have the teams in the Premier League who are making like millions and millions of dollars. And then they're playing in like the FA Cup against teams that have a, an operating cost. Like that's a fraction of theirs. I think like that is the the comparison that I would make with the ACHA in terms of money like this. But I thought the article was really well written. It tells it how it is. It's not sugarcoating the ACHA, but it also, you know, represented the league in, in a really good way. It's definitely worth the read over at USCHO.com. We also had an ACHA proposal this week. Uh, I love seeing the photos of this. I also, the video of this was even better, seeing the stick taps from his boys in the background going nuts. Uh, I've seen a couple of photos of these before. I have not seen a video of it. The video is great to see, but Andrew Schmidt of Bradley popped the question to his girlfriend, Megan, before senior night. Great photos from at Joe underscore Natty underscore photos on Instagram and even better reaction from all the boys in the background. Friend of the podcast, Thomas Sullivan, he had a great comment. He said, uh, these are happening too often to the point where my girlfriend's got high expectations for senior night. Uh, I chimed in and said 60% of the time, ACHA proposals work 100% of the time because somebody in the comments was like oh it's never gonna work i was like that is like the worst thing that you could say to somebody who just proposed like let them enjoy the moment so we're happy for andrew and megan awesome job and i want to give a shout out to the blue hens they upset the nittany lions in division two action huge w for delaware as they knocked off number six penn state uh you can also find that clip on our instagram feed as well we talked rankings already but we'll kind of run through them as a whole minot state holds on to the number one spot because that loss e mary doesn't really count against their ranking big gains for indiana tech they jump from number nine to number six and lawrence tech goes from 14 to eight probably the highest in program history not quite sure arizona leapfrogs from 18 to number 11 and notable drop maryville falls from 12 to 10 after splitting with liberty this is the one that has us scratching our heads literally makes no sense want to give a shout out to concordia and arbor they are ranked for the first time in program history we are going to hear from those boys in a little bit here um and then in women's one rankings our friends at michigan jumped from six jumped up to number six 
with an 11-3-1 record. Wanted to hand out a fine this week to the Herm. You got to walk us through this because you were going back and forth in the DMs. I saw the clips of this. It looked miserable. Uh, but who's getting fined this week? We are fining AZ Ice Arcadia, which is the home rink of the Grand Canyon University Lopes. So UNLV went out to Arizona and took the first night at GCU 5-2. to two. And night two, we see the following tweets from UNLV. And that's game. Due to flooding and unforeseen issues, the game has been called. Immediately, we reached out to our resident Rebel reporter, Nick Flanders, former Hockey House All-Star. And he said, did you guys do a worst rink in the ACHA competition? They shouldn't be allowed to play a home game, LOL. We show up at the rink for game one and there's a hole in the ice to the concrete, to the concrete first red flag. Then for warm-ups, the rink was completely fogged. Second game, we showed up and the game before us was canceled and the rink guys are trying to tape the roof while water is constantly leaking. Then GCU tries to call the game due to fog. We proceed to keep playing and score right off the faceoff. Two minutes later, they say the Zam room flooded and they won't be able to Zam the ice, so they canceled the game. An absolute mess. I wish, and Flanders could probably do it, but like, I wish there was like a, like... Somebody on the UNLV team who, like, would vlog. Like, this would have been a hilarious vlog. The DMs we get from Flandy are also very good when he went on the rant about what the environment in, La- in Alaska. Another talking point we wanted to get to was Central Michigan legend and Hockey House All-Star Brendan Martin was named the interim head coach for the Chippewas. Former head coach Tyler Cataline was relieved of his duties earlier this week. He had been behind the bench for four and a half seasons from 2014 to 2017. And then again, in the last season, and he was made it halfway through this season before, like we mentioned, he was relieved of his duties. He remains the winningest coach in Central Michigan program history. No better replacement, though, than Brennan Martin. This guy lives and breathes CMU hockey. He's a beauty. We had him on the podcast. Played six years for them. Pretty much holds every record. The guys are looking forward to him being behind the bench. I know they didn't get off to that great of a start, but rarely do you see something like this happen mid-season, especially from a program like Central Michigan. I think it shows that they're just all in. Like They want to win a national championship so bad. They came so close last year, losing in the semifinals to Hope in overtime. They're kind of putting it all on the table at this point. They think Brendan Martin is the guy for the job. I think there's an interesting dynamic in that room with the fact that he's been teammates with most of those guys. If you met him, like you would know, like he lives for Chippewa hockey, like everything about him. He's the perfect guy to represent that program. I'm looking forward to seeing this and uh, hoping to see CMU turn it around and make the trip to nationals this year. We wanted to give a, a stick taps. Herm, I'll let you go into this. Collins had a, a genius idea and, and Herm took the stats. We got some wonderful results coming up for you guys. Mr. Mathematician Collins, do you want to give your theory of penalty minutes, please? And then we'll dive into our trial and error through the scientific method. So I'm not a stat major. I am a communications major studying advertising, but that doesn't mean I don't know statistics. However, this theory may be written like a, a comp theory, so so bear with me. So I created this thing called the theory of PIMS. And the theory of PIMS states that the higher the acceptance rate of an academic institution, the more likely a university's ACHA team will have a higher number of penalty minutes taken. Through a number of agents that include accepting literally anyone into your school, these agents are then reproduced on the ice in the form of penalty minutes. So I sent this into the group chat. We were talking about acceptance rate. Herm, take it away from here and uh, show. Yeah, just tell us about the results. Yeah. So because I'm an 
absolute fucking nerd. I had all of the admissions data that Collins was hypothesizing about because I wrote the almanac. So I put it together on a scatter plot within 10 minutes. X-axis acceptance rate, Y-axis PIMS from the 21-22 season. For all of my data analysis majors and, and all of my stats guys, the R squared was 0.021, which on a scale of 0 to 1 is pretty goddamn close to 0, which means that it's not good. Bonus, if you removed the outliers, which were schools with less than 40% admission, the R-squared was literally zero. It was a straight line, indicating no correlation whatsoever and invalidating Collins' theory. So Glick tried his luck at being an amateur mathematician uh, who asked, is there any correlation between school size and PIMS? Smaller liberal arts schools have got to be less violent than larger party schools. The R-squared on that was 0.005. Also, not good. And then I took a little bit of a deeper look at it, and we realized that there was a potential data issue. I was looking at, uh, at the leaders for PIMS. I was like, oh god, there's a whole bunch of teams that have uneven amounts of games played. Like Rochester, who had the lowest amount of PIMS last season, played, I think it was 12 less games than someone like IUP. So then we realized that we had to go to PIMS per games played to normalize the data, and then I get busy as shit and forgot about it. So that's where we're at at this present moment. Well, I need a deep breath after listening to that. I mean, that the stat dive in, I mean, I was watching it live in the group text, but the Herm was pumping out charts like there was no tomorrow and we were getting answers uh, in this theory. We're, we're going to look more into it though. We're going to continue to monitor the situation uh, of the Collins theory, but we'll, we'll keep going into the the stick taps. Wanted to give a shout out to the boys at St. Bonaventure, 12-0-2 record on the season, an absolute wagon. The UNY CHL is loaded with talent. I had the chance to see these guys play, and I have a couple thoughts. I mentioned it a little a couple episodes ago, but I had car problems. I got to the game late. I was just thrown in the booth with James Witherite. I feel like I didn't really get to fully appreciate how good they were, but they battled back. Well, they had a huge lead against Quinnipiac. I think they were up like 3-1, maybe 4-1. Quinnipiac came all the way back, tied it, and I think the game ended up being like 6-5. St. Bonaventure added an empty netter. But I was impressed. I, I, I really was. Sharp-looking jerseys, too. Like, they just look legit out there. Like, I was joking. Like, if you walked into the rink, you would think that that was their NCAA Division One team. Like, you would you would be like, oh, St. Bonaventure, they have a hockey team. Like, I, did, I didn't even know that. They looked the part. They were solid. Like I said, they kind of took their their foot off the gas in that second period, and it was the Sunday heading into Thanksgiving break. They had pl- they were on the back end of a three and three, so good teams do that, but good teams find a way to win, and they were able to turn it around, get the W heading into the break. So I, I I'm impressed with them. I think they're the real deal. Another stick tap. Uh, this wasn't on the notes. I just added it, but I definitely think it should be. Um, Huge shout out to Oceanside Ice Arena for adding Not Near an Ocean to their Twitter bio. That made me really happy. For those of you who don't know, in episode 75, we had our little debate about Oceanside Ice Arena, whether it should be called Oceanside Ice Arena since it's not near an ocean. But yeah, that that, that made me that made my day when I saw that. I was I was so happy. Yeah, that, that, I, I saw that and I was like, I wonder how long this has been there. But it was, it was great to see. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Austin Hadge of Oregon. Uh, he sent us a DM. He is a Canadian in an American, sorry, now I'm burping up my dinner. Austin Madge of Oregon sent us a DM. He goes, I'm a Canadian in an American political science class. 
send help. So we're wishing him the best of luck during finals week. We got Herm's hot take coming up, but we're going to save it for the second half of the show. So you have to listen up for our interview. We got two guys from Concordia University and Arbor joining the show, Shane Romback and Hunter Keppel. Uh, but as always, this one's brought to you by OptumX Sports. OptumX Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage your own website. Best part is your first year is free. It is the holiday season. There's no better deal in town than getting a free year with OptumX Sports. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. OptumX recently released a new feature. We're super pumped about it. They're getting the online team store going. Uh, you can add a team store. You can sell tickets. You can do merchandise. You can even make payments right from the website. Uh, it's the perfect feature for every club hockey team, whether you're in the ACHA or the CHF. Be sure to check out OptumXSports.com and get your first year free. We'll turn it over now to Shane Rombeck and Hunter Keppel of Concordia University Ann Arbor. Hey, couple, you ready, you dumbass? Dude, his uh, his mouse is like off by like an inch, so like everything has to either be like in a different spot, like the left or right. So I'm just clicking on everything. <laughs> this is just a shit show. Here we are. We're making it work as we do. Honestly, I feel like I don't even need to introduce you guys. Like that should just be the intro right there. <laughs> Welcome to the show, boys. Uh, we're pleased to be joined by two members of the Concordia University Ann Arbor Cardinals. Front of the show, Shane Romback and teammate Hunter Keppel. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House. I think it's a miracle that we got everyone in the same room right now and we're recording. 38 minutes late, later than we expected, but we're here. It's actually, I don't even think it's the longest delay we've ever had. Believe it or not, getting Daniel Walcott's Wi-Fi to work was a nightmare. So you guys beat him and he played in the NHL. So happy to have you guys on. Keppel, we'll throw it over to you now. Now that you're finally here and we can actually have a conversation with you, uh, how's it going? Oh, you know, stressed, but uh, we're going to have a little bit of liquid courage on the hatch here, so we should have a uh, doozy for everyone listening in here. We're excited to have you guys on. I knew we were in for a treat tonight when Herm, I got the double text from Herm like, hey, let's have notes for this one. Like, this is going to be a fun one. Even better, though that you guys are in the top 25 that came out today. Congrats on that huge win versus Grand Valley state over the weekend coming in at 24 caps. You've been on the team since Concordia first got hockey. How huge is this ranking this week? Oh, well you, uh, you just missed the parade down Gettys here. They uh, went right past our football stadium. So glad to have you there, Murph. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome to see like from where we were from all the stories that we're going to get into <laughs> to actually being ranked. I'm excited. The girls are pumped and ready to take it to uh, Purdue Northwest this weekend. Well, we're happy to have you on. Shane, I'll give you the warning now, but you got to remember to mi- mute yourself if you're going to start laughing while someone oh, else yeah. is talking. My bad. Shane, awesome to have you got you on too. I know we connected over the summer a little bit. We'll kind of get to your crazy story of how you ended up at Concordia, but uh, how is the first half of the season going far from a freshman perspective? Yeah, no, it's going good. It's a very well-ran program. Um, all the guys are very cool, and Ann Arbor's the place to be. So don't have any complaints right now. That, that was the, the fastest recruiting pitch I've ever heard. But <laughs> We like it here at Conco. There we go. Exactly. Yeah, so for reference here, Shane, you're having a pretty good year, averaging almost a point per game as a defenseman freshman year. Suck it, Keppel. Caps, on the other hand, we got you're approaching the 50 PIMS mark here. Uh, how's your season going so far? Well, uh, thanks for the uh, – lackluster point introduction i appreciate that but yeah i mean i I don't know it's it's different we're a really deep team so i mean someone that's i guess been around the block i uh, i'm trying to fill out different roles and see what works but it also doesn't hurt to get on the score sheets uh for the first time since a third grade picnic this weekend so it sucks it's sometimes frustrating but also 
if you take a guy with you, I guess that's the next best thing. Yeah, and we'll get into it a little more. I'm not trying to rag on you too much, but you, I think it'll be a, a, an exciting interview with Shane being the young guy, and you're the the vet who's kind of seen it all with Concordia hockey. Shane, we'll dive into you first. You grew up in Michigan, played high school hockey in Michigan. Kind of walk us through your experience, uh, you know, growing up playing hockey in the mitten. I mean, Michigan high school hockey is pretty competitive. I mean, it's nothing like Minnesota or anything like that, but AAA here is expensive. Didn't want to do the AA route, so I took the high school route. My brother, uh, he played high school for four years. I went to the biggest high school in Michigan, so it was kind of like when you're selling out every game, when my brother's playing there, you kind of want that experience too. Freshman year, I showed up to try out, surprisingly made the team actually. I know. I'm just waiting for a shitty uh, comment from Hunter there. But yeah, ever since then, um, I, I had a blast in high school, like, Playing for your school is probably one of the biggest honors that you can have. I don't know. I just took that took that route, and now here we are. Did you play all four years? Correct, yeah. All four years as a varsity letter winner. Suck a couple. Okay. Yeah, well, EP only has you down for three years, so I, I didn't know if maybe they – maybe no stats freshman year? No, our coach just didn't believe in statistics because it was his first year, and he thought that it got to all of our heads. So he said, fuck you guys. I'm not putting down stats. Well, I thought the most impressive part, did you win the Lady Bing your senior year? You had no PIMS. Oh, that's so horseshit. I definitely had at least 30. <laughs> all right. So all right. There we go. <clears throat> I was like, wow, he must have been, been a great leader in the locker room, not even getting any penalty minutes, putting up the points. <laughs> yeah, no, the points thing was true, but I definitely took a couple uh, bad penalties here and there. So, Keps, you played high school hockey too. I'll let you chime in on, on your experience and then maybe throw a couple jabs at Shane too. Yeah, for sure. You know what? Shout out Romer there for uh, mentioning that he was a varsity letter winner. What a loser. But yeah, I played four years of uh, high school hockey. It's definitely not as good as Michigan hockey by any stretch. That was about my glory days. It's been a downhill roller coaster from there. We uh, almost made it to uh, the championship game, except I let a, uh, a defenseman on the other team go past my uh, point. And uh, yeah, he ended up bearing the goal with 0.2 seconds left. So Sounds pretty typical of you, Cups. Yeah, no, not much defense coming out of me. It was pretty cool, small town kind of area playing high school hockey. So it was a lot of fun. And then you, you both went off and played juniors afterwards. Romer, you, you went the, uh, what is DFI? We're, 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 they're USPHL, right? Yep. Yep. I'm going to say also, what is DFI is a very, very appropriate question to ask. That was awesome. Because, because <laughs> I asked that question a lot from the sidelines. That feels like a perfect segue. Shane, what what was DFI? Um. So the best way to describe DFI, for those who don't know, is have you guys ever seen like the Detroit Pistons Bad Boys documentary? That's essentially DFI, except the hockey team. We had some skill, but we were just the biggest assholes to play against. No one wanted to play us. Whenever they saw DFI circling on the calendar, they were just like, oh, fuck, here we go. Yeah, no, we we won games. We beat some good teams, but uh, we definitely got under the skin of opponents for sure. But that was just our identity. Yeah, no, we were just a bunch of hardworking blue-collar assholes, really. And then, I mean, Herm, you can attest to that with uh, the amount of games that you showed up to. But, yeah, we were just hardworking blue-collar kids, mostly from the Detroit area. Love to play hockey. Love to have a good time. But that's pretty much the epitome of DFI. Rest in peace, DFI. Are they done? Are they no longer a team anymore? They are now the Motor City Gamblers. Yeah. So technically speaking, the owners of the Irish sold the team to the Chicago Crush, but none of the kids went there. They all just kind of went to the Motor City Gamblers. They're all local kids. So missed opportunity to be like the Motor City Junior Rockers, like the Fed team. Caps, you played in the NA3. You want to share any experiences in that league? Well, it was a lot grittier than Shane's shit league. Oh, uh, shut the f*** up. 
But yeah, so I played in the NA3. Dog shit. Uh, I played for the now defunct uh, Southern Tier Express for a year and a half. Got traded to the now also defunct Binghamton Junior Senators. Got traded back to the now defunct Southern Tier Express. Uh, so clearly somebody didn't want me along the road once or twice. But yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. We played over in Jamestown, New York. Uh, that was my favorite spot. They treated us like a lot better than what we were actually on the ice. I think the worst year we had, we won about like 12 games at a 47 but we would sell out like 1500 people a game to watch us lose by seven everything was like paid for between like sticks uh tape we had three uh we had a trainer's room we had a weight room all like within the same rank we had a uh, a finished locker room so it was pretty sweet too bad the on-ice talent wasn't that great uh especially for my sake then we went over to binghamton and it, i think our uh, our record of my year there was 45 one and one we uh set a power play record there for like 92 percent on the power play I killed penalties. I wasn't on the power play. It's just a cool fact. Then I went back to Southern Tier, finished my career out there, and then committed to Concordia out of there. Sorry, I, I looked up uh, Southern Tier Express uh, to see some photos of this crowd, and the first thing that popped up was police called after fight breaks out at hockey game. You were on the roster for that one, were you? He was the one doing the fight. I Are was. Are you kidding me? So actually, it was kind of a beautiful moment. It was our only chance to make playoffs, and I was like, what better way to get a five-minute major than to willingly get my ass beat. We're going to talk about that junior hockey story or uh, that practice story in college too. It's all going to come for full circle. So I just egged on a guy and I just let him have his, like just pound my face in as much as he could for a couple seconds. And then uh, we ended up winning on that five minute major to get into playoffs by one point <laughs> for the team we were playing. Yeah, they got upset because they thought I instigated the fight. So they actually threw like their sticks on the ice. They threw everything. They delayed the game. One kid on the other team, like actually the reason why the cops were called, a fan leaned over and like screamed at a player on, uh, we were playing Rock City, who's also now defunct. And he actually swung his stick at a fan. And that's how the cops are getting getting involved. So typical junior hockey stuff. Detroit fighting Irish could just never, never keep pace with the Dirty J. So yeah, so that was pretty much our the Southern Tears last hurrah. They have a null team, right, in Jamestown? They used to. So they used to be the... Uh, the Philadelphia Rebels and New Jersey Re- or whatever they are, are the Aston Rebels. Then they went over to Southern Tier or Jamestown, New York, rather to become Jamestown Rebels. Then they had a pretty good season. They had a lot of D1 commits there, and then they just pulled the rug out from the community, really. And so they just woke up one day and just found out their organization was sold, and they went back to New Jersey. That's tough. Well, it sounds like the Dirty J was a fun place to play. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Like, everybody loved us. The Billet families are also the town's police officers, so just a whole lot of fun. All right, so now now we're moving towards the college conversation. Shane, you're at DFI. Walk us through your college process. I know did get a D3 commitment. Were you talking to other D3 schools? What was that process looking like as your junior hockey career came to an end? Framingham was obviously the top D3 school I wanted to pursue. Great location. Believe it or not, great people. All the guys on the team helped me out when I was, you know, going to go there. Great coach, really nice guys. That was really the only D3 option I was looking to pursue. At the time, it checked all the boxes. And then I decided to pull the trigger and do it. Um, well, the money uh, standpoint from it wasn't really uh, wasn't really best for myself. Kind of had to pull the plug on that one. And of course, you, you commit to Framingham. Maybe the reason why you're on this podcast right now, you commit to Framingham. Framingham takes one of Herm's photos, puts in the air fryer for six hours, 
I don't know, stomps on it a couple times, wrinkles up the paper, and then pulls it out and posts it on Instagram. I mean, not that we take any chance to rag on D3 programs, but I think you very quickly learn that there's a lot of ACHA teams, uh, from a media perspective at least, that maybe might do a better job than some D3 programs do. And that's not a knock on the D3 programs. They have a lot of like hurdles that they have to jump through from a financial standpoint, not having like SIDs in that role. But walk us through how you ended up at Concordia, because I know last time we talked, uh, I don't even think Concordia was in the conversation. Yeah, so correction, Rick Shore, known as the Concordia head scout. Everyone knows him by that name, Shorezy. Yeah, so he would he would pop by DFI practices and you know kind of chat with some of the guys that he thinks are a good fit for the program. I've known him since I was a little kid. We've had a connection before this. Anyway, when I told my roommate Benny, one of my best friends, Benny Sweet Benny Boy, that I was not going to Framingham anymore. He was like, well, would you be interested in pursuing Concordia? And I was like, well, I mean, if the price is right, then yeah, obviously I don't, you know, I don't see why not. Well, not 30 minutes later, Rick's calling me as I'm on my lake, you know, trying to have a good time. He calls me and he's, you know, giving me the whole spiel about how Concordia, you know, is such a good place to play hockey. You know, he's, he's pretty much doing the recruiting spiel. Anyway, about three days later, I ended up committing here. So that's kind of how that story worked out. Yeah, we were fired up when when we saw that you made your commitment. I'm sure Herm's going to chime in too. And, and and we were we were ecstatic when we found out that you had found a place. Cap, I feel like your your story is pretty interesting too. You were a part of the first team at Concordia. What was that recruiting process like? And kind of what like you know, it's obviously different when you're being recruited and the team's never stepped foot on the ice before. It is embarrassing with our record our freshman year. But yeah, so this is right as uh, Vegas had their run. So I get approached by this guy. I'm not going to name names. He's coaching a team somewhere, so I'm not going to try and sue him. But he comes up to me at a showcase and he's like, hey, we give uh, we give free hockey and scholarships. And right there I said, sold, done. Uh, so that was pretty much my recruiting trip. I committed here. My first day on campus was the first day of classes. Rented out a place like without even seeing it, like two miles away from the from the campus. Uh, so everything was kind of going in blind. But yeah, so I was on like that. Oh, yeah, no way that we won't be like the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think we won like six, seven games that year. It was a feat to like lose by four. On the surface, it looked great. But once you set foot into our locker room or lack thereof, there were just steel chairs and folding tables everywhere. So <laughs> it was, it looked like the backstage of a WWE event. <laughs> and we were just getting ready for like, Everybody was on a scholarship. It was ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, the recruiting was great. The execution was lackluster, to say the least. Kind of walk us through that that first year. We'll toss it over to you first. You can give your welcome to the ACHA moment. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah. So first off, you guys say welcome to the ACHA when I feel like the easiest way to put it is a welcome to reality moment. So, I mean, I feel like you get a couple of them throughout your four years where you're like, oh, that's my welcome to the ACHA moment can't get worse and then boom you get hit by a mac truck two years down the road that reminds you where the hell you are my real welcome to the acha moment again we're on scholarships free gear free everything team looks great and our coach we're playing lu belleville at this point we don't know what the uniforms are looking like and there's all this hype about like what is it going to be red white black our coach opens a box like the day of our game 30 minutes to warm-ups coach comes in with a box like here they are the big reveal he pulls up and i shit you not black practice jerseys so uh, he goes, <laughs> we looked like a scene from a uh, dodgeball and they pull out like the, uh, the bondage uniforms, like right as they're about to take the ice and we're all just like crickets. He goes, yeah, I uh, forgot to hit submit on the uniforms back in June. <laughs> so we didn't even have uniforms. So uh, thankfully my dad, uh, 
I'll try and get a picture from somewhere for you guys, but it was ridiculous. Like we didn't get names. We, we got like a, uh, the C with the cross logo and it just said Concordia hockey with like our numbers on the back and screen printing. And it was like black and white jerseys at the best it could do for us. So thankfully my dad like ran like a screen printing and embroidery company. So for our next series of home games, we actually got to, uh, have like red uniforms, which are pretty sweet. But yeah, outside of that, if that didn't happen, we would have rolled out for our first home game in front of 1,500 people just in white practice jerseys. These practice jerseys were actually like our practice jerseys during the week. And then we'd just try and freshen them up as best we could for the weekend for all of our away games until Christmas. Let's get a couple of rolls of red tape. And maybe if we all tape our shins the same way, it'll look like we have stripes on the socks. Yeah. Yeah, we looked like a mini Mike team out there. It was ridiculous. I just couldn't. And people were just like, like our chirp was like, how much do you pay for school? But like, it looked like we paid, <laughs> like it looked like we had to pay like $50,000 to go to the school. But like everybody was on some sort of like scholarship because we were NAIA at the time. The good news is we have a scholarship for you. The yeah. bad news is all the money went to the scholarship and now yeah. we have no jerseys. Yeah. And now we just don't have anything. But yeah, so that was my welcome to the ACHA moment. And then I actually got like another one. Like we started to like play decently we just got a first win i forget who we were playing aquinas or something getting ready for warm-ups like 15 minutes before we take the ice i kid you not our coach at the time his wife comes into the locker room and mickey mouse ears kid you not mickey mouse ears like from from disney world bowl full of cookies and she goes mrs coach thought you guys could use a pick me up before the game and drops off a bowl of cookies on our tape table and walks out and we all just house cookies before the game and got our asses kicked. There was a there was a youth hockey coach growing up in our my youth hockey organization, and he was like anti cut like you know like when the moms bring like the cupcakes or the cookies after the game, like they take turns whose turn it is. He was an anti cupcake in the locker room. Like this is pee wee hockey. We should be wearing suits to the game. No cupcakes in the locker room. I'm dying at the fact that she walked in with a bowl of cookies for you guys before puck drop. What what kind of cookies were they? They were just sugar cookies. Weren't bad, all reliable. So I mean, you can't beat him. But like, we had a uh, we had a kid who's now in the Marines right now. He uh, he was our captain, and he looks around. He's like, yeah. He looks around and goes, "What the fuck did I just sign up for?" And like, we all kind of looked at each other. Like, yeah, man, I don't know. As, as like, we're slowly reaching in for our fourth and fifth serving of a cookie. Like, yo, it's not who's got the socko. It's yo, who's got Mrs. Coach's cookies. <laughs> That reminds me exactly of Shorzy, just the fucking the game stick after every single game. That's that's awesome. Caps, um, you mentioned the subtle brag that you had over, over fifteen hundred fans at the home opener. What was that like? It was cool besides us losing bad. But yeah, it was crazy. Like we had a band there. They were supposed to play our like fight song, whatever that is, after every goal, and we uh we got one goal, like the opening power play, and then we ended up losing like eight to one or something. So. Oh, so you guys you guys scored on the power play, and the band was rocking, and everyone was yeah. like, "Oh, this is yeah, great. we, we went got up, a hockey team now." Yeah, we went up one nothing, and it was like pretty hype, and then we gave up eight unanswered or something like that, or just got blown <laughs> blown out the rest of the way, and it was crickets. So. Yeah, that was a uh, big reality check. Walk us through to everyone listening, though, because like looking at EP, it says NAIA one year. Like, were you? What does that mean? Because I know a lot of people see NCAA and they don't really know about NAIA. Concordia is an NAIA school, but was that first year like under different rules, or what was that like? Yeah, so it was actually pretty. I wish we could play like more NAIA rules personally. So it was exactly like the NHL minus like visors, but we'll get into that and why we didn't wear visors, but we were supposed to. NAIA is like really big in like football, baseball, basketball, what have you. We're at NAIA school. So they try to make something with hockey with Aquinas, Indiana Tech, Dearborn, Rochester, I want to say. 
and a couple other schools. So there was like Waldorf, I think, Midland, Lindenwood, Belleville, and somebody else. But anyway, yeah, so we just got scholarships fully funded. If you would shoot the puck out like in your own zone, it'd be a delay of game. Like same thing as NHL rules. And we were going to wear visors. And apparently like a coach from like Waldorf or Midland or something was like, all right, well, if we can wear visors, we can uh, we can fight, too. And then all the board, like the ADs were just like, whoa, 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 our uh, our insurance budget isn't cut out for grown men punching each other in the face. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I mean, that was the only stipulation why we didn't wear visors. But the rumor was we were supposed to actually wear visors and everything. Yeah, the NAI was going to be a little different than. It folded after one year, unfortunately. Yeah, because I I see you guys played in the WAC playoffs that year, and then after that, was there like an NAIA tournament instead of like the ACHA tournament? Yeah, so there was actually like the NAIA Nationals, and there's an Instagram post that says, uh, on my part, it says, big auto bid guy, because everybody made it. And we were like, I think we had like one conference win the whole year, or I guess one like one immediate conference wins. So we ended up going, and it was just, it was in downtown Nashville. We knew we were going to get smoked kids didn't even show up for it so we ended up just having like ourselves a weekend like on the dime of uh concordia which we probably shouldn't say that part but uh yeah we ended up having a great weekend over in nashville that is unbelievable and then it just it disappeared after one year and did you guys get your scholarships taken away like were you just back to being regular joes like the rest of us in the acha i mean i don't want to comment it just is reworded to like a concordia grant and it's like an additional grant i don't know how that would mess with like uh Right. How people like perceive like our school or anything. I don't know if that's allowed, but apparently like they. No, it's the same. A lot of that's a lot of schools do that. Like you get an academic, you're not on scholarship, but you're getting like an academic scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. So we get academic here. Then we get like an additional Concordia grant or like it's called like a leadership grant. All right, Shane, we got to get you involved here. Walk us through your welcome to the ACHA moment Uh, as a guy with a D3 commitment. uh, They just renovated that rink in Framingham. Now all of a sudden you're in Ann Arbor. What's your welcome to the Acha moment? Yeah, so maybe two days after I committed, there was a summer skate. And the coach texted me. and He was like, hey, we're excited to have you. We have summer skates. Like, there's two more. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. And at the time, one of my best friends, uh, Benny, was committed here. And I was like, hey, like, you want to carpool to the practice or whatever? Sure. My welcome to the ASHA moment, it's kind of two parts. My first ever drill, I just completely domed the goalie. First shot, first drill, first impression, everything. As I'm skating back into the line, Tony, our goalie, takes off his blocker and just gives me the bird. As I'm skating away, because I domed him right in the face. <laughs> and I get back in line, and Benny kind of looks at me and goes, did you see what Tony just did? And I was like, no, like, I hit him in the face, but, like, what did he do? He just flipped you off and told you to fuck yourself. And I was like, oh, well, welcome to the jungle here. And you hadn't talked to him, like, before this? So, like, this is your first introduction? Yeah, like, Tony's a pretty quiet guy he kind of keeps to himself on most occasions so yeah he was not saying a word to me like right when i walked in it was kind of uh i didn't really say too many things when i walked in the locker room at first it was just me and benny in a corner by ourselves after that tony just gave me the bird and told me to fuck myself so you said you had a second moment too (laughs) yeah so (laughs) after the practice like we're all kind of chatting here like that was my first time meeting cups um Met a lot of the group at Concordia. Well, I'm talking to this guy named Siegel, and I'm just like, hey, like, how's it going? What's your name? And he's like, oh, like, my name's Siegel. I was like, oh, like, weird, but okay. Well, it's his last name. And I'm just like, yeah, like, what grade are you in? Like, what class are you? Uh, he's like, well, I'm 28 years old. I'm just like, what? 
And I was a little like confused at first. I was like, okay, like this is weird. And he goes, yeah, we might not be teammates because I'm too old to play at the division one ACHA level. I have to play D2. I was just mind blown by that statement. That was when I was like, holy fuck, we're in the ACHA. Is he still playing? (laughs) Yep. He's on Concordia's D2 team right now. He's actually the captain. Everyone's ripping on Stetson Bennett for being a 25-year-old in the Heisman contention. Seagull's just ripping it up in Acha D2. Oh, yeah. Seagull's ripping up in Acha G2, and he's the captain of the D2 Concordia Cardinals. It's all about leadership at that level. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly takes heart. That's for sure. Yes. Certainly takes heart. Seagull's got plenty of uh, experience, so considering that he's 28 years old. So... (laughs) All right, Herm, before we dive into more Concordia talk, you want to you wanna put Shane on the hot seat here? Yeah, that's literally what I have the segment named on the notes is Rombo's on the hot seat. So we went around and asked a whole bunch of your teammates a couple of questions uh, <laughs> that they wanted to ask you, both current and from juniors. So we're going to kick it off and, and kind of go lightning round on this one. For Matt Martin, question for Romback, how many clappers did he take as a kid to develop the Rombomb? So fucking many. Funny story about that. So at my aunt's house, I would spend a lot of time at my aunt's growing up. And we had like a shooting setup in the basement. Well, you know those like glass cinder block windows like in people's basements? I hit that so many times. I put so many fucking pucks through that thing. And and I was like, oh, like that's a lot of money, like whatever. And she goes, oh, well, as long as you score goals, I guess I don't really care. So that was, I mean, I guess that was kind of cool of Aunt Liz, uh, you're a real one, Liz, but yeah, no, I, I shot a lot of pucks growing up. So Aunt Liz was like, well, this kid's not going to be a Sidney Crosby. Like she built that setup for you and was like, all right, this is his ticket to the NHL and she's fixing a window every other week. I think it was more, this is a ticket to the ACHA. <laughs> so she kind of knew once I was younger. <laughs> from uh, someone we both know from Alex Herman, favorite memory from playing on DFI last year and why does your one T suck? Well, first of all, Alex. My one-timer doesn't suck, so there's that. Second of all, oh, my favorite moment. Is he talking about with him or, like, just in general? It could be with him, could be in general. Give me, give me both. Okay, so I guess my favorite time playing junior hockey was when we did the USPHL bubble down in Tampa. As you may know, when, my first year of juniors was when the whole world was kind of shut down. So they did a bubble in Tampa, and... Fortunately enough, we were one of the teams that was able to go, and that was hands down the best hockey experience I've ever had in my life. Waking up for practice around 10 a.m., going to the rink, practicing, and then coming back and playing a quick 18. Not paying for it, mind you. That was awesome. The stories I've heard from the USPHL bubble, I think we could have – that could be its own Hockey House Pod podcast Instagram page. I've heard some wild stories from my teammates who had the opportunity to play in that bubble. Oh, it was it was insane. And it was also the, just the best hockey experience I've ever had. But, yeah, no, there are some pretty wild stories, like people fighting over laundry because we had to share laundry units. So if there was, like, a – like, if, like, the Boston Advantage was, like, they were in one of our um, – called the sacks or whatever you want to call it. Well, the team that they played the next day was also, like, in the same area. And when they did the, each other's laundry, there was, like, a couple fights that broke out. It was actually pretty funny. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was the best month and a half of my, of my hockey career. That sounds electric, by the way. Yeah, Keppel, you would have thrived so in Tampa. You would have thrived. You guys had curfews, right? Like I heard stories about kids like running through swamps, getting chased by people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 
curfew, there was technically a curfew. As in terms of your second point, people running through the swamps. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of the story, but let's just say that actually, Herm, you know him, Kyle Howard, um, Columbus Maverick right now. He was one of the people that dove into the swamp at around 2.33 a.m. So we'll just leave it at that. Also, mind you, there's gators and snakes and shit running around those ponds. And Howard just made the conscious decision to hey, let's go take a fucking dip in the pond with alligators and shit running around. So that was a little bit of a scary situation, but somehow he survived. So to answer the second part of your question, my my favorite memory with last year's DFI team, I'd probably say either Boston or maybe the ride back from our last game in Chicago. Um, Those were some pretty fond memories that I'll have. Um, First of all, my mom, Keppel, Donna, she she got us, she got me... <laughs> Huge shout out, Donna Romback. Yep, absolute, absolute wonderful woman. Yep, the absolute best mother I can ever have. Love you, mom, if you're listening. My aunt and my mom flew with us to Boston, and um, Alex was on the same flight as me. And we got in there, and we're just like, hey, like, the wild are in town like and i know herm you know this couple you know this but i'm like a huge boston bruins fan huge boston sports fan i'm just like oh like let's find some tickets well we found tickets and the atmosphere at td garden was just electric it was something that i'll never forget so that was probably one of my favorite memories from last year besides playing hockey and then the um the showcase was pretty cool too we got to stay in a really nice hotel they fed us pretty good food and obviously you got to play four games so that was that was definitely a fun experience for myself all right, we got a couple more uh, from Benny, actually. I think I've got one that'll get him going. How important are double-stuffed Oreos to you? And what happened about oh, a month ago when when you and Benny got back from the Wings game? <laughs> yeah, so Keppel was there, too, at the Wings game with us. Our roommate, Riley Smith, love the kid. Great dude. Shout out Jack Carlson as he came up with one of the best nicknames ever. Chillabadilly on my willy whack for Riley Smith. And the context behind that is Riley's from Chilliwack, British Columbia. If you don't know Jack, he's probably the best locker room guy that any hockey team has ever had. He just comes up with these one-liners like it's a job, and they're hilarious. So he came up with this one-liner for Riley, Chili Badillywack, kind of from his hometown. Me, Caps, Benny, and this other freshman named Chase, we're all going to the Red Wing game. I get back. I just see my Oreo package just laying in the front of my, like laying on the ground in my dorm room, like just wide open and a whole entire fucking sleeve of Oreos are eaten. Not even like three Oreos, a entire fucking sleeve. If you don't know who I am, like you don't touch my Oreos. Like I just, that's essentially my prized possession is my double stuffed Oreos. I get back there. I'm just like, okay, well, first of all, you ate an entire sleeve of Oreos. Second of all, you didn't, you just left them out in the middle of the room, like on the ground, like on the dirty ass floor, like. Okay, that's douchey. So yeah, that got me a little bit rattled. And then what got me even more pissed off was I confronted Chili Badillywack on it. He proceeds to say, I didn't eat your Oreos. Well, Chilliwack, there's only one, like you ate my fucking Oreos. Like they were on my desk, like before I left for the Wings game. Yeah, moral of the story is don't eat Rombach's Oreos. And especially don't leave them on the ground with an entire sleeve just eating. That was a rough day for me. From Bryce, uh, why do you oh. blast so many people in the shins? Okay, well, he can't fucking talk. He can't talk. Bryce has more shin pad assassin kills than I do. So next question, please. From Chase Temple, who's got the worst nickname on the team and rookie dance-off? Oh, that's a good question, Chase. Best nickname was already brought up, Chili Badillywack, for many reasons. I'd say the next best is probably Brett Burns. This kid named Jackson Blau, he's on our team. He's a freshman. Great guy. 
very outgoing and interesting kid. He'll let you know that he skated with Brett Burns this summer. We all call him Burnsy in the locker room, so we get a kick out of it. But yeah, no, I'd say the best uh, the best nickname is uh, Brett Burns for Jackson Blau. So shout out Blau. And the second part of the question? Yeah, what's the deal with this uh, this rookie dance off we're we're hearing about? Oh yeah, speaking of the devil, I actually beat Blau in a dance off. So yeah, we have a couple voted me and uh, Jackson to do a rookie dance off, and I just stole the show. So that's pretty much all I can say about that. Couple, I don't know if you want to chime in, but. The, dude, um, you couldn't the... be a dancer on in the Acha Five, dude. That was just disgusting to watch. <laughs> that was hey, brutal. Hey, let me ask you a question, Cap. Who won the dance off? Dude, honestly, I need to bleach my eyes. Clorox won the dance off. I'm pretty cool. sure you fucking voted for me, you dumbass. I don't want to hear it. I didn't vote for any of you. I was just dumbfounded. <laughs> what what kind of moves were you were you pulling off there? You ever see Magic Mike cross with the Michelin Man? That'd be a pretty good description of what I pulled out on the dance floor there. Yeah, no, the rookie dance off is where you choose a song and you pretty much dance for the entirety of that song. And I stole the fucking show. I don't care what a couple has to say. The song was sexy back. So if you can't get up to that song at a party, you're just a loser. That's all I got. You're off the hot seat now. Oh, that was that was light work, Herm. Come on now. Dude, rush chair Herm in the future. This is like a frat interview. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Caps, well, we'll get you going. What was your first introduction to Romback? So, yeah, so he came up to me. I didn't really know much about him. Benny's Benny's first, like, introduction was just so much more nails than Romer. Romer's kind of a softie. But uh, oh. he goes up to me and he goes, I have a better shot than you. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, like, I'm going to have more goals than you, which – to be fair, on his part, he uh, he's crushing me this season. But uh, out yeah, of five years, I'm I'm beating him in the uh, in the in the in the uh, all time category. But he'll get there. Yeah, maybe if I was dumb enough to take a fifth year, I'll catch up to you too, dumbass. Anyway, you're supposed to raise your hand. Thank you. He comes up to me and he's like, "I turned down Framingham," and I was like, "Everyone's turned down Framingham." <laughs> he was like, "I'm gonna have more goals," and I was like, "Dude, shut up. Take a look at the leaderboards." And uh, that was pretty much my first introduction. I would like to chime in here. That was maybe the third week at school, and I've known Caps for three weeks before that. So that's just false. In his defense, we we did have a debate at the team gathering where it would be like, who has the hardest shot? Unanimous decision vote. Romback was the clear-cut winner. Not, not the true. point. All right, well, let's look at the stat sheet. That was like maybe my 50th impression of Couple. So that's just not uh, true for a first impression. But yeah, my first impression with Benny was so much better. He comes up to me. Keep in mind, like, I don't know if anybody knows what Benny looks like, but he just looks like a complete, like, fourth-line guy, and I mean that with all the respect in the world. Like, this guy is awesome. Like, I love this guy. And he comes up and goes, you guys smoke camels or marbs? <laughs> and I'm just, like, looking. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, crushes or marbreds? And it was just like, all right, this kid's going to be a lot of fun. This guy's going to be what makes the locker room go around. I was going to say, like, that's just an all-time beauty move to walk in the locker room. And that's the first thing out of your mouth. Like, so much cooler than Romback. So much cooler. <laughs> all right, Caps, walk us through. We, we've mentioned the rink a couple times. For those listening at home, if you were to walk in to Arctic Edge right now, how would you describe it to people if they've never played there? So we have two rinks right now. Our D2 team plays at Chelsea where our first four years as a D1 team were. Our new rink at uh, Arctic Edge is our first year there as a uh, as a D1 program. 
it actually is pretty nice. So uh, if you walk in there, they've got like the coach's room to the right, storage room to the right also. And then they've got a full like square setup of stalls. Behind that's like a dry changing area. That's like a long strip with our skate sharpener and like tape storage. And then they have like a full shower and bathroom. What I was referring to earlier about like steel chairs and uh, folding tables, they got uh, like it was the same. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll have a locker room for you guys when you get there. And like we get there and again, there's just like nothing. And uh, we look around and we're just like, what's going on? Our locker room used to be like a massage parlor or like a like a massage area or like a some sort of chiropractic area or something. I go in there and in the shower area, there's like this folding like massage table. And I'm like, yo, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, where, where did I just sign up? Like I said, there's always welcome to the ACHA moments, but I just look at them as uh, reminders of where you are <laughs> compared to welcome to the ACHA. So, but yeah, getting back to it, our original freshman year locker room was you would walk in and there was just gray bricks and that was it. Just gray br- bricks and folding chairs like in the corner. And you just grab a folding chair and then just sit down wherever you wanted to. Is that what you guys had like all four years or did it get a little bit better each year? It like got finished like around Thanksgiving. I mean, it it ended up getting finished like after all the wood came in and after it had to get painted and everything. And all we were looking for is like a place to call home kind of thing. But it just took forever. So, I mean, it's pretty nice now. Then we had to renovate it as we like got more bodies. But yeah, I mean, it was like pretty bad for like two months when I was a freshman. Guys like Romer don't know the grind. Yeah, his welcome to the ACHA moment is just so nice. Yeah, getting flipped off by fucking Corey. Yeah, do you think uh, the you know having the folding chairs and having you know just basically brick uh, as the backdrop for your locker room definitely helped with team grit and creating some uh, some tougher guys overall? Yeah, I'm actually happy you said something about that. So as like an older guy, like we see everything coming. Like I mean, I see everything like coming like like to where it should be, like where when I envisioned it when I came in or what I hoped it to be. So. One of our quotes actually last year where we were like reminiscing as it uh reminiscing on it as like captains. I'm not a captain anymore, by the way. I don't wanna before I get ripped apart by the boys, like whenever this drops, I I'm not a captain anymore. Uh when we were captains, we were thinking of like a team motto kind of thing. We said brick by brick was our motto because every single day you want to get better, this yada 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 stuff, every recruiting class you want to build a culture brick by brick. We're reminiscing on our first steps like as freshmen. And at Concordia, and it was like that brick by brick mentality is Rome isn't built in a day, kind of similar thing. So, and then here we were last year, we upset Dearborn. We won a playoff game. So it's not like the biggest things. Like it's not like those Adrian guys like competing for national championships or Liberty guys like playing in front of all those fans on the SPN plus. That's sweet, by the way. Yeah, I mean, but it's those little battles every day that you win that build up a program. So we take a lot of pride in that now here. You, you mentioned uh, Liberty and, and that I had this on the, the sheet for one of the questions, like looking at your schedule, like you guys don't travel that much. Like you lot, you play a lot of home and homes. Like you guys go there Friday night, they come Saturday. Is that something that you like doing like that the travels near close by, or are you kind of like chomping at the bit to go somewhere else and play someone different? I mean, I like it. Obviously COVID kind of like put like a complete wrinkle in like schedules. Uh, so we were supposed to go, I think, before COVID hit or like the year after, like we were supposed to go to Alabama and do all this type of stuff. So I like the conference schedule being like home and home stands just because it gets you like a chance to sleep in your own bed. But I do like our, the fact that our current coach, Dave, like schedules like in the beginning of the year, we'll do like a visit somewhere or like we'll do like a longer road trip. Like right before we just played Roosevelt before Thanksgiving break, we got like a longer road trip, like in a cool city like Chicago. We go to Pittsburgh at, at the end of the season. It's kind of like a uh, like a fun trip. Like as my days are limited playing college hockey and like playing competitive hockey, that we could get like one more road trip. Because I mean, that's the best part about hockey is the road trips. 
but at the same time it is nice like getting back at like 11 o'clock and being able to go out or go to the boys house or like go like downtown or something so any any funny memories from the road trips that you guys have done like i'm based on the conversation we've had in the last hour like i'm i'm sure there's some heinous stuff going on on the road uh so like nashville so we get eliminated I mean, it is what it is. Like, we didn't expect to, like, go run the show from Indiana Tech or, like, Dearborn our freshman year after all things considered. So we get back to the hotel and our, our coach at the time, for whatever reason, and I got to give Fazoli's a shout out. We kept him in business for the first year of, of our existence. But we'd, like, go to, like, places like Nashville, St. Louis, and eat, like, Olive Garden, Panera Bread. Like, you wouldn't, like, get a taste of, like, the local food at all, which is, like, my one of my favorite parts about visiting, like, a different place. But, yeah, so we go to Nashville, and we're, like, we're just eating fazolis, and we're just, like, man, screw this. Like, we're going downtown. So we get downtown, and that J-Rod guy, actually, I don't even know if I told Romer this, he got lost. Like, we left downtown. He was, like, yeah, guys, I'll just Uber. I'll see you guys around. Like, I'm just going to go, like, to a different. But uh, anyway, so, like, J-Rod's, like, yeah, I'm staying downtown. And we're just, like, what do you mean? Like, Ubers are up, like. We got to go. And he's like, no, don't worry. I'll make it. He didn't make an Uber. And so like he had to Uber at like 545 when the bus was about to leave. Like, and someone had to pack his bag and he just hopped right on the bus. And like our coach never knew a word, never knew anything. And uh, yeah, he just slept the whole way home. So probably like, like just something like that, like going downtown and like doing the Nashville strip was probably my favorite memory. Romer, we're, we're going to get a little bit into it because we never had somebody from the, the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference on the podcast. And uh, we get a lot of DMs like guys from Indiana Tech are like, like, you guys got to show more love for us. Like we don't get represented. Like what was your introduction to those teams like the Indiana Techs, the Dearborns? Uh, like what is the environment like playing those teams? I think that the WAC is kind of an underrated conference in the ACJ. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the top 25 rankings, what we have four teams in the in the top 25 now, and Lawrence Tech, Indiana Tech are top 10. I mean, it's a very underrated conference. There are people from the North American League that do come to Indiana Tech and U of M Dearborn. I guess my introduction is that it's it's you don't have a lot of space out there to make a play, especially when you play the teams like Indiana Tech and Lawrence Tech. Quite frankly, Lawrence Tech plays rugby on ice like the. They're a good team. I'm not taking anything away from them, but they are super, super difficult to play against. I think Keppel can attest to that. Even if you don't have the puck, you're getting fucking hit. I mean, it's it's a grind. I wouldn't say it's an eye-opener because I know a lot of the kids that play on both teams, and I've played against them my whole life. It's definitely a different game than junior where you don't have any time to really make a play. So, Caps, who's, like, the rival? Like, you've been around the longest. Like, is, do you, does Concordia have a rival within the WAC and other sports? Is it down. different in hockey? LTU, without a doubt. What are some of your favorite memories from playing LTU? Probably when we when we knocked them out of playoffs. That was my favorite. But yeah, I mean, every game, like he's saying, like it was just a, uh, for a long time, I mean, I personally feel the opposite way now, but for a long time, we were the little brother of that rivalry and we were just getting our teeth kicked in every single game. And then it started to like change last year. And so we played them once, they left, or for a series, they left a sour taste in our mouth. So we're ready to go back at them for sure. So those are some of those games where I circle. I take those personally. Indiana Tech's another one. We haven't beaten that in uh, almost, or now four and a half years. But yeah, so that's definitely one that I want to circle. Say probably LTU for sure. So 
it's pretty obvious we don't like them and they don't like us so every time we get on the ice together there's definitely some battles and some of them are personal you guys had the upset on them in the first round last year and then you ran into indiana tech went on the run won the conference and then kind of got a tough draw in the first round of the acha national tournament and they got uco who ends up going to the national championship game was that the best team that you guys had played last year no disrespect to dearborn because it's been like punch for punch between those two teams for the last like four years ever since i've been here they've been going at it but yeah they're a heck of a team and last year they're really good this year they're really good i would probably say that was the best team we've run into curious because that was a team like they've been looking for like a lot more recognition at this point in the year but like when Herm and I saw them at nationals last year, they were just kind of in and out because they got a tough draw in the first round. But now looking at it, like, you know, they've been gone on a, a pretty good run to start off the year. You know, as we start to wrap things up, Romer, I want to know, like, what's been your favorite memory so far, you know, playing hockey at Concordia? My favorite memory, maybe the road trip. We only took one of them and it was to Roosevelt, actually my birthday. So it was kind of special. My mom and made the trip who I'm super close with. And it was it was just kind of nice to kind of get away from or usual suspects that we play against. You guys have been on the road before. There's a lot of team bonding that goes on. Like you're stuck in a hotel with each other. So you have no option but to hang out with one another. We kind of gelled a little bit there. You're in a city like Chicago, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think it was pretty special just because I got to play one of my good buddies, Paulo Supa, on the other end too. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd probably say Chicago was one of my favorite parts of this year so far. And Caps, kind of a different question for you, but you've mentioned it a couple times now. You've literally got to see the bricks laid in the foundation for this team. And I think it's huge that we're having you guys on this week when you guys jumped up in the top 25 for the first time in program history. What are some memories that stand out to you looking back on your time at Concordia? I mean, you said it pretty well too. So like, as we talk about like laying the bricks and the foundation for a team, you also talk about laying the bricks like as a team socially. So uh, like when we swept Dearborn, we all like went downtown and had ourselves a good time. Like it's those types of things. Like, yeah, the sweep against Dearborn is awesome. It's probably my favorite memory, but then it's everything that surrounds that too. So like, as you like take a step back and like, look, as you're older, you see around like everything that you've like helped create. Like we went from the simple parties, like in a small hockey house on 212 Ballard to bringing the whole team out and like having a great time and then like just walking the streets and doing whatever we want to do together so i mean it's it's something that you can really see like as like people grow that come in as like true freshmen at 18 years old that now get to enjoy like what you've been enjoying for like the last five years it's awesome so yeah probably just like the whole social aspect combined with the hockey aspect of like that building over the last four years and so shane is People are looking at, at maybe Concordia as a, as a place to play college hockey. As someone who recently went through the recruiting process, like what would you say the pitch is to come and play D1 ACHA hockey at Concordia? I mean, the biggest pitch is that you're in Ann Arbor. Obviously, Ann Arbor's ranked one of the best college sounds year after year. There's literally so much to do, even on a random weeknight. Like Tuesday nights, you can definitely find something fun to do. Also, I think a lot of it has to go with our coaches. They do such a good job of kind of getting you ready for games. And we, we do have a tremendous coaching staff. Dave, Trevor, and Shorzy do such a great job recruiting, getting ready, getting us ready for games. One of the biggest bonuses for me was that I don't have to pay for equipment here. Like we get free sticks, free gloves, free helmet, the whole kit and caboodle. You're in Ann Arbor, you have that, you have that small school where you can kind of get, you know, a little bit of help from your instructor. Kind of like if you were at a big lecture hall, you know, some people may not like that. You know, if you like a smaller classroom, but that big college feel, Concordia is definitely a good place to go because there's just endless amounts of stuff to do in Ann Arbor. Along with great coaching, you don't have to pay for hockey either. So that's kind of a bonus. 
I think that's an interesting point. And it's something that people had told us about these NAIA schools is at a lot of places in the ACHA, you're still seen as like a club team on campus. Is that the same at Concordia? Or are you guys just like the other athletes on campus? We're literally just like every other athlete on campus. So they don't even recognize us as like a club sport. They just recognize us all like that's the like D1 team. Oh, that's the D2 team. So, I mean, I guess that aspect, I mean, it's not that crazy, but I guess it is pretty cool. But yeah, no, we we do get treated pretty well here. We don't have to pay for anything really. So it's kind of nice. To go along with what he said about the whole club versus like school-sponsored sport, we, uh, we lost to Grand Valley last year. And our coach came in and he kicked over a garbage can. He's like, you guys, it's a funny story now, but it wasn't funny at the time. He goes, you guys just lost to a club team. And I was like thinking in my head, like everywhere in this country is a club team. <laughs> we're just an anomaly. If you look back at it, like we're, we're like the outsiders here. But yeah, I mean, that's our mentality. Like we don't treat ourselves like a club team. I mean, there comes like a level of pride with what we get and we try and instill that level of pride, like within our locker room and within our team. So caps, you've, you've seen this go all the way through. Like what's the outlook on the rest of the year here for the Cardinals? Uh, I mean, you saw it over the, uh, over the weekend against Grand Valley. They really took it to us on Saturday. We definitely got the better of them on Sunday. So, I mean, you just take a look at that. Like we're just a young team overall, despite me being ancient, we're really just a young team. And I mean, I think we really don't know our own strength and I think we're starting to find it. So I'm excited for what the second half of the year has in store. So I think we can really surprise some people. So we've been dying for that recognition from the ACHA polls there. Now that we're, uh, now that we're finally ranked, we've we feel like we've deserved it for a little bit. So now that we are starting to get that recognition, I think we can take that run with it. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to cut it. We appreciate you guys a ton for coming on. Caps, way to battle through the, the tech issues tonight. Uh, I, I think people are going to enjoy this one. Once again, thank you to Rombo and Caps for joining the show. One of my favorite interviews. Those guys were great. We could have chatted with them all night. It felt like we did chat with them all night because of the technology issues that we went through, but we're playing overtime at the Hockey House tonight. This feels like the seven overtime game in the bubble between Columbus and Tampa Bay, and we're just grinding it out. I can't remember the last time that we recorded, did the interview, and then recorded the second half. I mean, I don't know if we've ever done that, but here we are. It's 11.38 on Wednesday night. Herm had his hood on. He's taking the hood off. We had an overtime game that was an ACHA one that you could have gone for instead of an NHL one. Yeah, honestly, we, that we, we went through trauma <laughs> together on that. That is true. That is true. UCO and Iowa State. Honestly, I, I was having so much fun at Nationals. I As tiring and as exhausting that game was, like that was still a blast. Like I'd go back to that in a heartbeat. Shout out to the boys from Concordia. Good luck in their game this weekend against Purdue Northwest. Herm, it is time for your hot take. What is it this week? My hot take this weekend. I'm going to make sure I'm looking Collins dead in the eyes on this one. What the WAC has done this season is what the ECHA has prove itself in big games and with consistency i won't disagree i won't disagree we had i mean hopefully coming up against iup once we we come back in the second semester we can maybe make a big statement about the echa but this past weekend for us was not not what we wanted losing to temple for the first time in three years and uh losing to westchester after going down three nothing having the final score before three was a real stinger so yeah i'm a big advocate for for mid-Atlantic hockey, it's it's really kind of tough. So uh, thank you for reminding me of my trauma, Herm. That was very nice of you. Love you too, Collins. Love you. No Glick this week, so I'll roll through the burgers. ACHA burgers blow of the week in men's division one action. We had two scores of 10 to one. Ohio beat Toledo and then Adrian beat Purdue Northwest. Shout out to the boys at Purdue Northwest, though. It was a 4-3 game. 
Saturday, their place. So they were able to turn the ship around. In men's division three, the biggest blowout of the weekend was 12 nothing. That was Arkansas defeating ETBU. Um, on the women's side, the biggest blowout this week was Colorado, who beat Wyoming 15 to nothing. Shots on goal were 89 to six. And then the CHF blowout of the week had St. John Fisher College beating Onondaga Community College by a score of 15 to nothing. Rolling through the games to watch this week, Thursday, UNLV will take on San Diego State at City National Arena. These two teams got into a goalie fight when they last played. It'll be $2 beer night. This is going to be nuts. I think what, this video on YouTube has to be one of the most played ACHA videos of all time. I think it's a classic. The San Diego State UNLV goalie fight. I think I saw that when I was eight years old. San Diego State and the Liberty recruiting video are top one and two. Couldn't agree more with you on that. Saturday, uh, the number one team in the Southeast Division, Florida Gulf Coast, is taking on UMass Amherst at Hertz Arena, two of the top teams in men's Division Two. On Saturday, w- the women's team at Adrian College will take on Sioux College at Arrington in women's Division Two action in the ACHA. Friday night, Kentucky will take on DePaul at Lexington Ice Center. DePaul's looking for revenge after last year. Kentucky looking to keep Lexington as one of the hardest places to play in the league. Friday night, our boys at Concordia will take on Purdue. This is a top 25 matchup. Concordia looking to to keep the momentum going after beating Grand Valley State last weekend. Thursday night, Jamestown is taking on UCO. Top 10 matchup um, in North Dakota. And UCO, I believe 15 wins in a row for the Broncos. So they are red hot right now. And they're going to play a tough Jamestown team on the road. Not an easy task. Saturday, Central Michigan is taking on Grand Valley State. It'll be Brendan Martin's first game as interim head coach. He joined the team this week after a coaching change mid-season. Friday night, SUNY Maritime College taking on Sacred Heart at World Ice Arena. Top matchup in Men's Division Three ACHA. Saturday night, Bishop's University is taking on Mass Maritime. This should be a good one. They're expecting a big crowd at Eric Molson Arena. We have the Brawl of the Wild back this week. Friday night, Montana State University takes on the University of Montana at the Haynes Pavilion. That brings us to the game of the week. Minot State, the number one team in the country, is taking on number five, University of Central Oklahoma at Pepsi Rink at Mesa. Minot is looking to bounce back after their upset, and UCO looking to knock off number one. UCO making it on here twice, two different matchups as they make the trek to North Dakota. Um, If all goes well for the Broncos, I think this is a huge measuring stick for them. They've been very good lately, and I don't know if they've gotten quite the respect that they deserve in the rankings. They're sitting on the outside right at number five, and I think they've I don't want to say they're holding a grudge, but they're definitely looking at the teams ahead of them and thinking they're they're better. I think they had a tough go against UNLV earlier in the season, and then other than that, they haven't really faced the teams ahead of them. So huge opportunity for them uh, taking on the number one team in the country at Pepsi Rink at Mesa Arena. Collins, who are you going with here? I'm going with Minot, and this is not like a slight to UCO or anything. Like I'm picking the higher seeded team. I'm just thinking after last week losing to U Mary. I think they are going to bring it all because I I would imagine being a D1 team losing to a D2 team, even if you marry's insane from an outsider's perspective, if you don't follow ACHA at all, that looks awful. So I think they're they're really going to bring the firepower. I also think it's going to be a really close game, too. So I think Minot's going to win by one or two goals. I think it should be a really good matchup. Herm, who's your pick? I am very much of a similar school of thought on Collins on this one in terms of the game being really, really close. I think somehow UCO pulls it out in overtime, 
but I think the weekend will be a split and Minot will take the next one by three. All right, I'm going to go outside the box here. I think UCO is going to lose Thursday night to Jamestown and then they're going to bounce back after losing their first game in the last 15 and beat Minot in that first game on Friday night. So that'll that'll be my prediction. I'll take UCO in the game of the week. I like the Broncos. I think I think they have a lot to prove this year. I think last year they were kind of the underdog in the national tournament. I think they made it farther than a lot of people expected. And I think this year they're looking to prove that it wasn't a fluke. So I think they have an opportunity to measure themselves up against the number one team in the country. And I think they're going to take advantage of it. So I'll go with the Chos on this one. It's been a long episode, so I think we'll, we'll call it here. We'll save a question for next week as we kind of get into the break of the holiday time. But plenty of games this weekend, plenty of teams in action. So, as always, it should be a good one. If you get any cool clips or anything worth sending our way, you can find us at the Hockey House Pod on Twitter, TikTok, and, of course, Instagram. DMs are always open. Best way to get to us, too, is to submit using the link in our bio. That's the easiest way to get your content on the feed. As always, thank you for listening. You'll hear from us next week. See you, boys. Yeah.